Hello and welcome to the Jack Simons podcast. Today we're going to be talking with Will Taylor, the owner, founder and head coach at RaceFit Online. RaceFit is a coaching service which works with racing drivers, pit crew and anyone in the racing world around the world to make sure that they are on top of their physical and mental game, to make sure that they are getting the best performance they can on and off of the track, as well as finding those fine margins between winning and losing at the top end of sport. Today's podcast is split into two sections. In the first section, myself and Will delve into what is mental performance, how it can affect you both physically and mentally, and what you can do to kind of control that and get the best out of your performance, not just in racing driving, but in sport in general, in any competition, or even just in the gym. After that, we'll go into a Q&A and answer some questions from listeners or our own clients throughout the week and help you guys get the best performance you can in your fitness journey. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what will be the first episode of the podcast. We've done a few in the past before, um, but we're kind of reformatting these things, getting them going again. So we've got Will back on. We've done one before in the past. Uh, but we've got Will back on. Will is the owner and head coach at RaceFit Online. He works with racing drivers um, and anyone pretty much in the racing world to get them in the best shape they can be, performing at the top of their game physically and mentally. Um, welcome once again, Will. Very excited to be talking to you today. You've been a busy man lately, haven't you? Thanks, buddy. Yeah, just insanely busy. I've just really been trying to get myself back into the environment, back to the racetrack. Um, and I have definitely uh, achieved that for the last kind of six weeks-ish. I've been on the road, um, yeah, pretty much every week. So uh, like Wednesday to Sunday has been kind of my week, my working week. Um and yeah, I've I've been abroad, been to Belgium, um, and the whole time I've been completely kind of out of control of my food. So it was something that at the time I was sort of uh, sort of dreading. But funnily enough, I've actually lost like four kilos by just by being on the road. Definitely leaned stress out a lot. And on your feet, uh, yeah, stress <laughs> and on uh, just my activity levels have gone through the roof. Yeah, um, but. Um, but no, it's been good. It's been really good just to just to be back on the scene and um, spend some time with you know some close working time with lots of racing drivers. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, getting back into it and and just kind of um, you know refreshing my memory of of all of the little issues and nuances that that my clients kind of deal with on a weekend by weekend basis when they're away from home, when they're you know at a race event, all the little uh details that that you kind of forget when you're when you're not there it's quite a unique environment and quite a unique um sport i suppose um and that's why and and it's uh, part of its uniqueness means that it it draws in a lot of you know like the the guys at the at the professional end of the sport have one-to-one pts and they have people there to support them because it's such an unusual environment to be in you're your water source is always changing. Your food mm. sources are always changing. Your bed is always different. Your pillow, like literally everything is different every weekend. And so it's just kind of uh, learning little coping techniques to, to get used to all those lifestyle changes on a kind of week by week basis. And yeah, I've definitely been reminded of that. So I've been having a bit of downtime this week, which has been um, 
very very did, welcome. yeah i was gonna say you've been burning the candle both both ends from every time we've been speaking and sort of messaging it's just like yeah really busy got this 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 and this to do uh yeah catch up next week it's like all right cool we'll go and then it's about a week of no contact is that the is that the first time you've been out of the uk then since well, i suppose the beginning of lockdown is that first time out yeah. in belgium How yeah yeah so um yeah it was good uh you know it's there's a lot in terms of travel restrictions in terms of hoops to jump through um to be fair it was a lot smoother than i thought um there's a lot of stuff you have to do online like um it's like a passenger locator form so they're basically tracking everywhere that you've been for the last 14 days and then for the you know where you're intending to go um so there's there's I think they've done it really well, actually. Like, even though there's a lot to do and a lot to fill out and there's a lot of information going around, they they have, you know, the, the authorities and stuff have done it really well. Um, but it is still quite intimidating to, to kind of go traveling and to mix with people and to be close to someone on a plane. And, um, you know, all those things are still quite fresh and, you know, um, you know, it's it's a bit of a funny time, I think. And, uh, this is probably one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit later is just as we open up, like how how to kind of deal with that, because, yeah. you know, we've had it drummed into us for the last 18 months, two years. Um, you know, you, you've got to follow these regulations. You've got to be strict. You've got to stay at home. You've got to distance, you've got to wear masks, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're just being told, yeah, don't need to worry about that. It's pretty much, you know, your choice and you carry on. And I think for a lot of us, it's like, well, not sure if I want that choice yet, you know? Yeah, it's. I think it comes with a lot more stress, doesn't it? Because even now we look at what we know about COVID and even the experts, they don't know all that you can know because it's still a relatively new disease and, and it's still impacting a lot of people in relatively new ways. Like even if you just look at long COVID, for, for, you know, for instance, that's something that we know a bit about. But even doctors, I know people who have got currently got long COVID, they suffered with COVID right at the start. And they're dealing with long COVID now and they go into doctors and doctors have been like, look, being really brutally honest with you, we don't know like the full effects of this because we just physically don't have the, you know, the data and the, the amount of experience with COVID specifically. So it's a really interesting, I think that's, I suppose, topic, but I think like you're saying, it comes with, I think it probably brings a lot of stress with it. And like you said as well, we are going to talk about this later. So one of the kind of, um, I suppose the format of how, we're going to be running this podcast going forwards is we're going to have this sort of the chat chat part at the, at the beginning, just chat about the world fitness, just general life and stuff like that, whatever's going on, um, whatever we've been watching, seeing, doing anything. Um, and then we're going to finish off with sort of Q and a throughout the week. So if you've ever got any questions that you think you would like to see answered on the podcast, um, whether it is from myself, whether it's from a specific uh, expert in their field who I bring on to talk to, or just in general, feel free to shoot them over and send them over uh, to myself on Instagram at Jack Simons official, send them over. We'll get them answered on the podcast. So we've got a question surrounding that uh, a little bit later on um, specifically kind of, I think you were saying the question that came in was around Wales is coming out of lockdown, isn't it? And, and pretty much mm. all restrictions are being lifted. So that'll be quite interesting to jump into. Um, I think, you know, when we're talking about kind of what you're doing, I think it's a really interesting topic as well is um, when we talk about fitness, I think a lot of people are always kind of like, right, what what's the best diet? What's the best training program? And I think they're the kind of, well, 
training's always like the sexy one, isn't it? It's like, oh, what's this? What's my new training split? Blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of people get that kind of shiny object syndrome with regards to training, but nutrition, maybe second, gets that second back seat. It's becoming a little bit more, well, it is already more important, but I think it's slowly catching up to where training is. But one of the things I think that you do, which always really, really interests me, um, and I see a few, not too many coaches doing really, it's something I've tried to sort of tailor myself towards coaching as well a lot um, as I've improved over time, but is that kind of focus on mental performance as well, because especially for what you do with racing drivers, um, and even if just like, I, I do work with pit crew and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, yeah, the, the the kind of mental side of things is, is huge. Um, and one of the biggest things that you know i talked to my drivers about is uh, there were the, one of my drivers we put a heart rate monitor on him yeah. um and we could see that just on the starting line with so the car's stationary he's just watching the lights waiting for the lights to go out his heart rate was 160 beats a minute so he's literally sat there no physical exertion and just the pure anticipation for what is about to happen the sheer amount of adrenaline running through his body yeah. caused his cardiovascular system to elevate to a point where you're literally in fight or flight mode you're literally ready to in a split second react to those lights and basically go into battle you're starting a battle you're yeah. you're using your you're you're opening up your vision you're quickening your reactions everything is going absolutely ramped up to the max because you're uh basically by being a competitive individual you've activated that fight or flight system um within your body because it's so important to you to win that you're then just so on edge and it's kind of about finding a balance with that you've you've got to be really comfortable in yeah. that kind of state um because it's very very easy to overcook it um and and to go too far and I think, you know, that's one of the biggest things to, to, that I work with, with, with some of my drivers is, is just being able to switch it on, but then mm -hmm. not going too far. Um, and and just being able to control, you know, your mindset in, yeah. in that situation. That is, is so easy to do as well. Like, especially in situations like that, where, I mean, it might not specifically be racing driver because i think for people listening to this you know a lot of people play sport just sports in general and take part in sports in general and if you compete at any level that's something that's really important to kind of like, like you said not overcooking i remember doing uh i remember before i when i used to play rugby before every single match i would throw up with like without doubt like i'd go i'd, I'd go to the toilet i'd make sure i was done i'd be sound i wouldn't eat in the morning because it'd make me feel a bit unwell and even if it wasn't like the biggest match in the world i would get two minutes before the whistle would go off and be like, I need to go for a pee right now. Even though I'd just been for like, you know, three minutes earlier, yeah. I was like completely emptied my bladder. I was like, I need to piss now. I have to run off yeah. to changing rooms every single match and almost every single match without fail. I'd throw up at some point with about half an hour to go before. And it's that kind of state of arousal that your body gets in because kind of what's happening is your body's like, oh shit, something's about to go down. And it's prioritizing, yeah. you know, blood flow and to your muscles and to your brain and to your eyes and so you can kind of perform at your absolute best and that happens you know just as much in racing driving as it does in rugby as it does in you know martial arts sports stuff like that i was speaking to someone over the weekend at uh, jiu-jitsu was talking about his competition he said 
just overcooked it like just too like stressed at the competition anxious got this massive kind of adrenaline spike and he said i just i couldn't handle that and it, it impacted his whole performance throughout the day because he just missed yeah. he just i don't know if he missed time something he wasn't used to it um and i think you do get used to that over time i don't know if you've experienced that with drivers in the past but something you do get used to over time as you experience it more and more but it's it's yeah. something that you definitely want to be careful of for sure something that's really interesting that i've noticed um i i kind of knew about it before but i've been reminded of it um a lot of drivers when they're just before the race about five ten minutes before the race when they're in the assembly area so they're waiting to go out to the racetrack they'll be sat in their car and they'll yawn like quite a lot <laughs> like three or four times you know big yawn and they're just like oh really sleepy and yeah. what it is is it's your body's anticipation your body is literally like you're about to start bouncing off the rev limiter literally you're about to be going max chat and you know and so I'm it starts to yawn now yeah <laughs> <I'm gonna get laughs> it's, it starts to conserve energy which is really interesting um so there is an element of getting used to it yeah um but what you got to be careful of is kind of getting too used to it mm -hmm. um so it's yeah it's it's one of those things it's such a a, a delicate balance and you know for example with your with your friend it might have been that he's stuck to his normal kind of caffeine protocol so you might have had a monster in the morning or this or that or the other but but because his natural instincts and his natural kind of fight or flight system is so powerful that's then kicked in on top of caffeine on top of whatever else and it's really just kind of you know g'd him up to be to be way too um aroused aroused and, yeah and just yeah not, just not too the, much uh, not the fun kind of aroused this is the no uh, absolutely bodies on the limits kind of i suppose yeah. they have some crossover don't they but there yeah there is um there's a big crossover with those two things i've been doing i did from undergraduate degree for my dissertation i wrote about firefighters and performance and uh, their cognitive um cognitive performance in sort of any you know dangerous situations as you can imagine that's something where you get that kind of same oh, heightened yeah. state of arousal and even 100%. though it's something that i only kind of briefly did the experience i got i i got to experience that and it is your heart just pounding mm. and, but you are switched on everything's just like going in you process and things very very well but what i wanted to look at there was the the difference between okay you do one job and then it's very common for, you know, a fire crew that they might go straight back to the station and then they get called out to something else straight away. If you're a busy station, you could be going in and out all night. How does that yeah. affect your ability to make decisions and, and things like that? And, and how does that have a crossover with, oh, top of my head, I think I was looking at sleep and heat so mm. long since I've done it. But it's that same thing is, I think, I think as you get better at it, it's one of those things you kind of, you can kind of level out with a little bit. Um, yes. I don't know if that's got crossover really with, obviously with with covid lifting i think all of us to some extent have felt that like mm. you know, i i've i've had a few social occasions kind of crop up first things in a couple of years that i've been like i've actually got to go out to a venue to see people with other people there and i'm not a typically anxious person but i was like oh my god i really don't want to go like i felt all this anxiety around it and it was a weird weird experience for the first one or two things that sort of cropped up was like what what am i doing here like what how am i going to like get around this but again as you get used to it you 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 ease off a little bit and just like 
sitting in a racing car or getting ready to start a football match might be really kind of a, a big state of arousal for you because you're expecting that thing to come up. I think we are all going to be, you know, we're going to be okay. We're going to get back into the swing of things, but our lives, our lives have been on pause for, you know, two years pretty much, haven't they? Kind of intermittently. So yeah, hundred percent. And, and, and I think that is one of the things with the, with the fight or flight system, you know, um, is that, um, you know, that kind of anxiety that it brings on. Um, and one of the most interesting things that I'm starting to kind of really look closely at is mm-hmm. how you can dominate and control those feelings. So you can actually, the, 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 the one key action, pretty much the only thing that you can use in that time when you have anxiety is your breath. That is the, the, the one dominating factor. If you can control how you breathe, you will have the most amount of control over your mental state and yeah. your, your actual physical response to this fight or flight. Yeah. Um, so this, this, uh, is, this is really interesting, I think, because this is something that Wim Hof did. Um, and, and if you've read Wim Hof's book, he's, his whole thing is about kind of Wim Hof method of breathing and, and overcoming the your, your body's sort of natural response to something. And it's it's how your mind, I suppose, reacts to the physical changes and vice versa. Mm-hmm. If you let your mind yeah. kind of run out of control, your body's going to follow. If you dominate kind of your body and, and keep keep on top of that, the mind tends to follow. And it's again, same thing with uh, Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. I don't know if you've ever watched anything with Tony Robbins in, but he, a lot of the time you go to, you see like Tony Robbins doing a seminar. I think he start. I think he starts them all off with like big breath work stuff. So sort of either, I, I, I would assume for a, a Tony Robbins seminar, he wants people to be excited. So he's do like big, deep breaths, but and like fast breaths. But then maybe if you want to calm down, it's the same thing like you're saying there. You see this in a lot of places that, if you can, can just control the physical side of things, that mental arousal, the mental kind of side of things follows. And then that has mm-hmm. all these triggers to the rest of the body. So you start to calm down all those jitters you might be feeling from this heightened state of arousal start to ease off a little bit. Same, same thing with trying to fall asleep. I don't know if you've ever used that box method of breathing, but if mm-hmm. I'm ever trying to struggle to kind of settle down and get to sleep, I'll either pop headspace on and do a bit of meditation in bed. And I usually fall asleep by the end of it or I just do a, a box breathing, like four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds. and so just repeat and repeat. And if you just focus on that, that whole thing, just your body calms down. And it's, I think it's a really powerful tool. Do you use that yeah. with, with drivers or is, is there like a different take? Yeah. Yeah. So we're starting to, um, we're starting to kind of just do a bit more research on that. Just really find, what works for you know mm. for for what drivers uh, obviously everyone's different um and i think it depends how open-minded you are with um things like this and you know do do you want to give it a go or do you just actually really enjoy the whole adrenaline rush and you know because some people they thrive on it and they love yeah. it and they just want to get as revved up as possible. And, and they just, they're just kind of, you know, it's a drug. It's like going on a roller coaster or jumping out of a plane. They're just like, woo. And it's like, it, yeah. that's what they're after. They're a junkie for it. But then some people, you know, they, they don't like that feeling and, and they want to have a bit more control over it. And so those are the type of clients that I'd be 
working with these kind of um working with to, to develop these techniques and exactly as you say you know some box breathing or or just something that you can that you can remember that you can Calms focus down. on um that that can bring you down but you also don't want to calm down too much because you do need to have an element of the the, the kind of fight spot. or flight so yeah. it's got to be in the sweet spot and um yeah so it's it's really interesting and 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 one of the the key factors on um you know on that subject is that's why race fit is a really interesting or racing driver fitness is a really interesting area you don't need to be fit to drive a racing car it's not a basic requirement you know it's not a fundamental thing where if you're unfit you cannot drive a racing car that's that's not true mm. but if you want to understand your body more if you want to optimize things like uh your ability to breathe things like your ability to focus and your ability to switch on and off um certain you know certain systems like fight or flight and and things like that the only way that you can do it is you know by focusing on exercise nutrition sleep you know all those good yeah. things that that's the only way that you can really discover how to optimize your body and your mind which is effectively the thing that's in control of the car so the car is it's just a machine that you're operating to to get a result um and yes there's you know a, a lot of racing drivers get really excited about the kind of setup and the changes and the horsepower and all that kind of stuff which is all very exciting stuff um but they forget that the person behind the wheel is the one that makes all the change all, all the inputs and actually gets the car from the start to finish if you weren't there then the race wouldn't yeah. happen so well, it's, it, it's a sport that's decided in fractions of a second isn't it at the end of the day mm. if you know yeah. the, at the end at the end of the day all the top competitors in the world to be honest in in all, all sports generally there's very fine margins and if if you mm. want to be that kind of top percent that's where you really need to you know hone in on those little small percentages but i think Absolutely. something as simple as kind of just getting control of where your body's at is a really, really powerful tool for changing your, you know, your life in general. Like I've, I've often had this thought before. I've never really seen any research into it. Admittedly, I've never done any sort of deep research into whether it's been studied or not, but I've often thought that you go to the gym, you're entering that kind of fight or flight um, sort of, you know, your body your body's in the you thinks it's in kind of fight or flight mode so you're, you're you're prioritizing um yourself for lifting heavy weights you know your body your body doesn't know that it's underneath the barbell for all it knows it could be under a big rock like boulder and it needs to mm. adapt to that you go home and then you start eating straight away your body's not like you know primed for digesting food you you it's literally the difference between your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems or um, fight and flight and rest and digest is that you know one is called rest and digest because it allows you to rest and digest optimally it doesn't mean you can't mm. you know do these things while uh, maybe in fight or flight but i think they're probably not optimized i think there's there is an argument in my head that you should wait you know half an hour 45 minutes after training just to calm down bring your heart level back down calm your breathing back down because ultimately that's one thing that does have a big impact on you know whether you can change your body or not and you know your, your physique in general is 
are you getting the nutrients from your food that you, you think you're getting? If you're only getting like, you know, I don't know what the percentages would be, but if you're only getting a certain percentage of what you could be getting, you're t- detracting from everything. And even if it's a small margin in something like you're saying there in sports, that can make a big difference. But I don't even think that's, I don't even think, I don't know about what you think, but I don't know if that's even just at the top level. I think if you are competing at any level, your skill level is going to be roughly the same with all people across that board. Otherwise, if you're above that skill level, you move up to the next bracket. So yes, regardless of your skill level, I think there is always an argument for optimizing if you want to be at the top of that bracket or even break into the next kind of level above that. Um, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And even with what you're talking about there, like you can, you can optimize in so many areas. So you can opt, like people forget about sleep. You know, you, if you can optimize your sleep, that can have a massive effect on your performance. Yeah. Um, if you can optimize your digestion, you know, that can have a huge effect on your recovery, your performance, your growth, your just everything really. And it's about understanding what your body is doing when and, and how to, you know, it's like some people will um, finish a workout and go and have a coffee. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you, you've just G'd yourself right up. You've just geared yourself right up. You've had an explosive workout. You know, you've done your, uh, you've done the bit where you need to be um, and geared up and energized. Now you need to, as you say, activate, rest and digest. You need to slow everything down. Because imagine if you come back and you eat your food, like you've just been lifting weights, like you're yeah. just literally throwing food Waffling in. It you're not going to, you're not going to chew it properly. You're not going to, the body's not going to break it down properly. You're not going to get all the nutrients out of it. All these little finer details are so important. And, and it's funny because like when I said that racing drivers, you know, you don't need to be fit to, to drive a car. Um, it's kind of the same with, you know, CEOs of fortune 500 companies and, and things like that. You know, they don't need to be fit to make business decisions. You don't need to be, it's not a prerequisite requirement. No, but, but I can guarantee you the ones who are fit make better decisions. You might make a good decision anyway, but I can guarantee if you compared someone who's just really good shape, looks after themselves, optimize their sleep and, you know, looks after their body compare it to someone who just eats shit all the time i can guarantee that one who you know looks after themselves i would say they probably more often not make a better decision or a better quality decision 100 and over the long term as well so you know it may well be that someone who is out of shape and you know doesn't really care about themselves might make the odd good decision um but it's probably going to be for a short period of time but whereas someone who looks after themselves and optimizes everything that they can about themselves will consistently make better decisions over yeah. the long term so you, you see this with with sleep a lot sleep is one that i notice this the most with and i i always say to clients or people who i talk to about kind of i think we've we've spoken about this before actually i'm almost mm. certain of it but there's people people kind of think of again going back to it people think of fitness as just workout food that's all it is but actually what I'm finding more and more uh, with clients is that actually it's that's that's kind of yeah all right that's what you need to do to get there, but it's all these other factors that influence these things in in how you perform them and how you do them that ultimately make you know the decision at the end of the day. If your time management's really shitty, 
you might not get all your workouts in. So then you don't see the progress in the gym that you want to see. You don't see that muscular development or the strength increases and the uh, performance increases that you want to see. If your uh, stress is really, really high, that might influence the way that you are going into those workouts or approaching your nutrition or, you know, we, we know that poor, you know, we know that a lot of poor food choices can be made off the back of stress. And we know that a lot of sort of eating issues that people have come off the back of stress, uh, like, you know, binge eating. I, I generally see when someone says, oh, I've, you know, I fucked up, I binged this week. You go, what's happening? And they go, oh, well, you know, stressful day at work, got in, just wanted to, you know, it's comfort food at the end of the day. And I think we all, you know, it's, that's normal. We are all brought up in this world yeah. where food is such a social, you know, tool and lubricant for all of us. We're brought up with families. Mm. You celebrate with a meal, you go, you achieve something at school, you graduate, you get a new job, you go out for a meal and drinks. Like, yes, it's a very social glue for a lot of people. And you, mm. that's where that, you know, that's where stress can play into that. So again, that influences your diet. But the one I think that a lot of people could benefit from, and I think this is like a chronic worldwide issue for a lot of people. I think the large majority of people just because of phones, screens, lights, like the way we live our lives now, sleep is a big factor. And I notice it myself, especially I'm currently cutting for this photo shoot. Like, you, you know, next week got a photo shoot. I've noticed recently that my sleep has been affected because of kind of this prep. Um, and as a result of that, I know for just from doing it in the past and, and experiencing myself, but I know when I have a bad night's sleep, I'm way more likely to sort of be like, I need something shitty and sugary and like I get cravings. Yeah. I want to eat something or just overeat. I just want to kind of consume food. And I've done it in the past. And there's been moments where I've kind of just snapped because something's triggered me off as well. Stress, bad sleep, trigger, boom, stuff my face. Yeah. And then I have days 100%. where like last night slept pretty well like pretty good night's sleep woke up fully rested and today i feel fine i don't have cravings i don't sort of struggle with food in that way that's a big one for me so just like you're saying it's it's all these factors really play into it and it's maybe it's not even about optimizing it's might maybe it's not about optimizing yourself but it's optimizing what you are able to put into your training and nutrition because they're the kind of two roads that you need to travel down simultaneously but all these other factors of what kind of facilitate you getting down that road and is there potholes is your car working the right way to get down these roads so mm, yeah exactly and it's all about that kind of understanding of yourself that all reinforces kind of uh, your ability to to do good work and to to be the best version of yourself because if you know you know just the fact that you might binge eat when you're tired what does that say about everything else that you might do like say for example yeah. you've got a a pending big business decision if you've had a poor night's sleep if if you're into your fitness and you're into kind of looking after yourself and you're a bit consistent you're going to understand today's probably not the day to make that decision because yeah. you know if i'm at the coffee machine every five minutes and you know i'm eyeing up the donuts or the biscuits you know and and i'm just i'm just riding a wave of tiredness i'm just trying to get through the day that is not a day to make optimal decisions no um you know and and so it just shows that um it, it's not fitness is not a one-trick pony you know being race fit or being you know kind of looking after yourself and optimizing your being and your your person is not 
just about exercising it's about that bigger better understanding of yourself so that you can just you can be a better person and do better things and yeah you know so for yeah I think, I think for me it's that's kind of what fitness is is it's it's this all-encompassing thing it is it's essentially mm. your entire lifestyle and everything that plays this you know role in in your health and well-being and fitness at the end of the day but again it's so important to kind of nail these small things that influence everything else so that's really sure. really important um obviously we've i think we're a little bit limited on time today so i think we should jump into some questions as we can um so as 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 i was saying before we are going to have some questions kind of dropped in weekly answer these questions depending who is on as a guest we'll go through them answer them um and go through them obviously will you've put a little poll up early asking for some questions uh, i got one in earlier from kuba Kuba has asked, uh, I've been struggling to stick to my diet. Uh, I'm trying to eat healthy, but not seeing the progress. So what would you say to Kuba in terms of he's been eating healthy, but he's not seeing progress. Um, he doesn't, doesn't go into what kind of progress, but I'm assuming in general, most people want to lose fat, build some muscle. Yeah, it's, it, it's definitely one of those things, especially if you're, um, either trying to follow a plan or trying to be kind of restrictive or, or disciplined. Um, it can be that you can get a little bit bored or you can, or you kind of feel like you're leaving certain food types out or you miss certain types of food, especially if you're on quite a restrictive meal plan or diet plan or something like that. So, you know, what I would say is just try and find a balance of, and, and, I think we need to kind of stop labeling foods as healthy and unhealthy because, you know, there, there are so many foods that you can consume and still, uh, you know, not have a, a huge detrimental effect on your health uh, and you can still make progress towards your goals. So that's important to remember. So, you know, people demonize things like burgers and donuts and, you know, yes, obviously we don't want you to eat them all day, every day. But to enjoy them every one, every now and again is, it, it, I think, a good thing for firstly morale and secondly, they're quite energy dense foods. So sometimes you do just need a top up and a boost. Um, so I think setting yourself some kind of a realistic target like 70, 30 or 80, 20 in terms of the percentage of, you know, really good, clean yeah. foods that are rich in nutrients. So, you know, focusing on your protein sources getting uh, some slow release carbs in a couple of fats in there, but also, you know, getting your fruit and vegetables in is really super important. And if you can get that balance, but then also enjoy some of the foods that you like and just try and get that in there, yeah. you're going to be, you're, you're going to have less resentment towards eating in inverted commas, healthy foods, which yeah. some people kind of consider to be a little bit boring or bland or just not what they're used to. Yeah, I agree. Um, that actually wasn't from Kuba, so I've, I've misread that question. But uh, the, the question still stands. Um, Kuba asked a different one later on. So I think with regards to this sort of sticking to healthy foods and, and not seeing the progress again, what is healthy? If you're looking for um, progress in terms of dropping body fat or building muscle tissue, let's say trying to drop some body fat, because I think that's the most common issue people face when they are not seeing that sort of progress, because uh, you can kind of muscle growth can occur when you're eating, you know, regardless of healthy or unhealthy foods. But um, when you are trying to kind of cut down on body fat, 
a lot of people start off and go, well, I'm going to go running and I'm going to start eating healthy. Well, okay, the running, it might help if it puts you into a calorie deficit. If it doesn't put you in a calorie deficit, you're not going to lose any weight. Same goes with eating healthy. I think a lot of people confuse eating healthy with what you actually need to lose body fat, which is a calorie deficit. You can eat healthy. I could eat all the broccoli in the world, but if the amount of energy I consume from broccoli outweighs what I kind of burn off in a day, I'm going to gain weight over time. So when it comes to eating healthy, this is something I, I do see a lot when people say, oh, well, I'm eating this and I'm eating this again, you know, breakfast, I'm having avocado on toast. I'm having, um, you know, a chia seed bowl with that and like a smoothie, like protein smoothie uh, lunch. I'm having just like a chicken salad, you know, chicken Caesar salad, um, blah, blah, blah. You go through their food and you go, yeah, okay. Maybe these foods are like good for your health and well-being, but the actual calorie and the energy amount that is in these foods um isn't kind of conducive to you being in a calorie deficit and you know that breakfast that you had alone the chia seed bowl yogurt bowl with uh avocado and toast could literally be like you know in in some cases could be eight hundred thousand calories for Easy. a lot of people that's Easy. half of their yeah. daily calorie intake so yeah. what you need to be focused on if you're trying to drop body fat is making sure that you are in a calorie deficit Nothing too crazy, nothing too major. I would say for, for most people, you know, 300 to 500 calories is a generally good range to start off with. Um, yeah. And I think that's a good place. And again, like we were saying, if for the most part you can eat these healthier foods, like in, within brackets, healthier foods that we see as good or healthy foods, that's probably optimal. But don't be afraid to include, you know, these other foods that are maybe unhealthy, again, in brackets every now and then, because that's just going to support you in getting there along, to, uh, along the road. And again, a lot of people generally crash and fail on diets is because they just go, can't ever have pizza again, can't have chocolate, even though it's their favorite foods. Yeah, um, exactly. So, and and yeah. then they kind of, sorry, Jack, and then they kind of, they do that and then they then decide to binge, mm -hmm. which is totally understandable. And, and then once they've binged, they think, oh, I've ruined everything. And so then they continue to binge. And yeah. that's when you kind of get that that's when you get people that you know kind of have these big rebounds mm -hmm. is and it's because they've been too over restrictive um and they've you know through no fault of their own they've just not been realistic in in what they're trying to achieve no. um and you quite often see those graphics of of people you know kind of digging for diamonds or digging for gold and you know they've dug this this really long tunnel and they're just about to get to the diamonds and and they give up and that's very much how uh fat loss works you know f for a considerable period of time you don't see any changes yeah. you know your body kind of just deals over adap uh, adapts and overcomes and you you know for a while you you might get a little bit despondent and be like oh i'm not really getting anywhere and then suddenly it starts to kick in and, and you start to, you know, that weight really starts to drop off. So, so or that yeah. fat really starts to, to burn off. So it's something to bear in mind. Um, it's just, just try and stay as consistent as you can. Um, and to do that, include some of the foods that you like, if it's pizza, if it's burgers, if it's ice cream, whatever it may be, just make sure it's included, but, you know, bear in Moderation. mind, yeah, what you're trying to achieve is that calorie deficit. Yeah, you got to, there's, there's a diet at the end of the day, you are dieting for a period of time. And that does mean, you know, there is going to be some form of restriction somewhere. And that has to be from, you know, the amount of energy you're consuming. Um, and the best way to go about that is these high, cal uh, high volume, low calorie foods that are going to be kind mm -hmm. of 
more filling and, and help you get there. And again, off what the back you just said, there was, um, I think a lot of people do struggle to, they, they, they can give up a little bit early because they're not seeing this progress. And I, I, my personal opinion on this is because when you enter a dieting phase, it suddenly becomes the focus. Whatever we're focused on, we tend to look at and we give, you know, that is what we're focused on. We are focusing on that thing. So you will probably step in front of the mirror every day. You probably weigh yourself every day and you'll be looking in the mirror and you won't see any changes. And I think because you're, there, there probably is changes happening and they're very, very minute day to day to day but you don't see those changes day to day because you see that small change and your body kind of goes, that's what I look like. And then you go the next day. That's what I look like. That's what I look like. So true. So for you, you kind of adapt every single day and just adjust to what you're seeing in the mirror every single day. Mm. Then you go see a coworker who, who's been on holiday for three weeks and they go, fucking hell, you've lost a lot of weight. What's happened here? And you're like, Oh, hang on a second. Have I? And then you might look at a photo of yourself from a month ago or two months ago. Oh, shit. I actually have Look, I've just looked at myself and compare it to, looking yourself in the mirror in the morning and you notice that change. So those daily little small changes, I think just kind of all merge together and you don't really see anything until something bigger happens that kind of triggers it off. Like you've got to adjust your belt down to the next loop or something, or, you know, your shirt is suddenly a bit baggy. You notice that it always clings on your belly when you sat down and now it doesn't, it's just hanging loose and you're like, Oh fuck. Like that's, that's weird. I didn't, didn't notice that before. It's because you go through those small changes so frequently and you see them so frequently, you adjust to it and you don't see it. And that's where people give up is in that period because they're like, oh, nothing, nothing's happening. It is happening if you're being consistent, and you're being um, product, like proactive with it. So yeah, I think 100%. that would be the advice there is, you know, calorie deficit, healthy foods for the most part, but don't be afraid to kind of include those fun foods as well and just be consistent with it. Stick with it. It will happen. It will work. Amazing. Right. So question number two, this is the one which was actually from Kuba and Kuba is asking about supplements. So he's just sent in a voice note here. So we're going to play that now. Hello. Hope you are well. Um, just a quick question for me, really. Um, what are kind of like the top three supplements you would recommend to someone just starting out? So there's obviously a lot of supplements out there. Uh, so just kind of like a good starting point. Uh, yeah. Your top three. Okay, amazing. So I think with regards to supplements, it really, obviously, the really wanky answer is it depends. Uh, and it does depend on a lot of stuff. Um, a big issue, first of all, I see with a lot of people is they rely on supplements as, you know, a foundation of, of their diet. It's not the answer supplements, supplement your diet, hence the name. Um, but that's not the question he's asking. He's asking what are the top three supplements for me? I think my number one supplement that i think personally everyone could benefit from is creatine in in some capacity i know there is a portion of the population who are non-responders but i think for the cost of it the benefits you get from it i think everyone's would benefit from at least giving it a go and seeing if they see a benefit of it not just because um again going back to what we were saying before but not only because you see these amazing physical changes which are, are really well studied and, and implemented with creatine monohydrate um, improve strength, improved endurance. Uh, over time, you'll see muscle mass gains because you can do more reps. You can lift heavier weights as a result of that um, more ATP production. Um, not only is there kind of physical improvements in the gym and performance, these ergogenic effects of creatine monohydrate, um, but there is a good amount of evidence as well that it has kind of cognitive be uh, benefits as well. So if anyone's looking for that cognitive edge, 
creatine monohydrate is is i think a really good supplement and again they've even i think um i think they've even trialed this with people who are early onset or have, have some form of dementia alzheimer's all these kind of um degenerative diseases that you tend to see later in life i think they have seen some kind of therapeutic benefits um with regards to creatine in terms of you know at least alleviating or pushing back the onset of these things or even just improving the conditions that people are living with those so i think creatine from a physical and mental mental point of view is is always my number one what about you yeah 100 um totally agree with that one and to be fair i've you know i've not been massive on my training recently um and it's actually one supplement that i've you know i've not been taking um no actually i've I've not been taking it and and i definitely um i definitely noticed a difference in terms of uh first of all as you say cognitive um i don't quite know i can't really describe how it helps but it definitely Mm. does help uh some whether it's clarity of mind or or whatever it is it it definitely does help um and for sure you know there is a marginal difference you know it's it's not a don't expect it to be like it's going to set you on fire when you go to the gym but it's definitely a supporting element and it enables you to do better reps for a longer time mm. you know at the gym so it's it's definitely an important supplement to bear in mind um i suppose one supplement that we quite often it's kind of a supplement and it isn't it's something that we all consume and probably don't consider it a supplement um is caffeine um so you know it's it's just probably the most commonly used um probably you know what i think i would say uh, it probably is the highest used supplement in the world it must be yeah it must be because everyone drinks coffee every like a lot of people drink coffee every day um it must be it has to be has to yeah. be and you look you at, through that you know, i'm you... going to google that as a fact we'll find out yeah <laughs> so you know you look at that in terms of like people having monsters and people have red bulls and coffee tea you know the amount of stuff that does have caffeine in it and um obviously you you do have to be a little bit careful with caffeine in terms of um excess consumption can cause you to be you know to, to become very anxious to have um too much stimulation um so and and you can actually manage your your kind of how it works with you so if say for example you're a bit like me and you do enjoy quite a few coffees a day if you're finding that you're becoming less sensitive to that coffee you can reduce your intake of that supplement of you know of caffeine for around about three weeks i think it's about 21 days and then it it, your the caffeine receptors or the you know the receptors that respond to the caffeine intake kind of reset and you become more sensitive to it again so you can vary that that sort of sensitivity if you're finding that you're just building up and building up and building up and relying on caffeine um you you can sort of control that and there's one thing to bear in mind as well is much as it is a good supplement um you can take the edge off of it by over consuming it so if it becomes like a staple part of your diet that you're having quite a lot every day 
um, just try and reduce it a little bit for yeah. a period of time and then reintroduce it and you'll find it's a lot more effective. So yeah, caffeine, I think well, I have just Googled it there. It's in the top, top used su- supplements. So uh, one of those also being creatine, but caffeine again, very interesting. Like you said, a couple of ways it is so beneficial, which I think is, is fantastic is, you know, slightly higher doses, the sort of doses you would see typically in, a good pre-workout, not every pre-workout is going to have it, but a good pre-workout are really beneficial to performance. But when you start consuming it habitually, your body does adapt and, and, and get used to that. The way that this happens is you have kind of adenosine receptors, um, which usually adenosine would bind to, uh, and they sort of stimulate wakefulness or sleepfulness throughout the day, depending on if, you know, adenosine is docked essentially caffeine molecules are very similar to this so they can dock into those receptors so for your body to be able to kind of feel that sleepiness i suppose is a good way of explaining it your body creates more of these receptors so more you know this adenosine that's floating about can actually dock and then you feel tired again which is why over time you need more caffeine to feel the same effects because you now have more docks for these adenosine molecules to fit onto so you feel more tired so you need more caffeine to dock into these new receptors what is interesting with that is that because you need that over time a couple of things happen well a couple of things happen one is obviously it's going to impact your sleep the more caffeine you're having to get the same effect the more you're going to sort of impact your sleep throughout the day and it's a kind of catch-22 because now your sleep has been impacted you wake up you feel more drowsy, more tired. You've got more receptors that adenosine can dock to, which also can trigger you to feel sleepy and fatigued and tired. So you wake up, you're groggy, you've got more receptors, which means more sites for adenosine to to dock and make you feel tired. So you feel that you need more caffeine and then that affects your sleep more. And then you just end up in this endless loop. So there is a point where you need to kind of like cut the the cord and, and go, right, that's enough. But the issue with that is because you've got all these receptors, now you feel more tired, the, the less you drink. So the best way to come off it is kind of just dial it back a little bit. Let's say you are going to the point um, really well right now. I'm, I'm prepping for this photo shoot. My caffeine consumption is quite high because caffeine is mm. really good at blunting hunger. Um, I find it's a really useful tool. Like I'll fast in the morning. Again, I say this every time I say fast when I say I fast, fasting is not magical. It's not going to make you lose fat any quicker. It's just a strategy I use to control hunger when my calories are a bit lower, like they typically, like they are now at the end of a, you know, a cut for a photo shoot. So that is a tool, but I use caffeine as well as another tool to blunt that. My caffeine intake's higher, but at the end of this, I'm going to try and dial it down. I'm probably having can of monster a day, couple of coffees, I would say on average, so to come off of that, I'm not going to just go and just have, you know, even just a coffee a day. I'm going to probably knock one coffee a day. So it's a can of Monster and the coffee. And then maybe that coffee, maybe you could make it a decaf or maybe you could just have a shot of espresso. Do you know what I mean? And just slowly wean it back and just get it back to lower levels so your body can adjust over time. When you come off caffeine very suddenly and quickly, go cold turkey, you get almost very similar effects to if you have too much caffeine, you can get headaches, you can feel like jittery and, and, and off. Um, you, you know, you can feel very tired as well, fatigued, and it can impact you quite a bit. So there is, again, it's treading that, treading that wire. You don't have too much. You don't want to have too little. When we were talking about arousal earlier uh, for performance, you don't want to have too much caffeine. You don't want to have too little. And that was the other point I wanted to make was 
caffeine as fantastic as it is for a performance enhancing supplement what i've seen people make the mistake of is they go well caffeine's really good for performance um i'm gonna have it before you know a competition in in a certain sport so i've seen people do this in martial arts i've seen people do this uh in stuff like yeah again rugby looking back in big big like you know game day performances like this is a big final or something like that people go around have a load of caffeine what they haven't been doing running up to that is they haven't built up that tolerance to this higher dose of caffeine and then on the day they have this huge dose of caffeine they like have this massive spike and they just their body can't handle it because they're not used to it and they get jitters and it fucks their performance for the rest of the day because they weren't used to it so you need with caffeine i think a really good rule of thumb is don't go to the extremes too quickly if you're going to go up you need to build up if you're going to go down Mm. build back down don't just cut it off or just have a big um, spike in caffeine uh, because that's where you're going to fuck yourself up. Like, because it is a, it's a powerful stimulant at the end of the day in, in terms of yeah. kind of waking you up and giving you that feeling of having energy. Um, and if you, if you do it wrong, you can, you can really like, mess yourself up a little bit. Yeah. I've, I've had too much caffeine before and uh, on multiple occasions and it's not, it's not fun. Horrible. Um, you know, and it's, it really is one quick way to, as you say, basically immobilize yourself on. And again, it's it's about, you know, when you go into any kind of competition environment, just remember that the feeling you'll get on that day and, and the energy that your body will naturally bring on that day will be, be more yeah. than what you'll feel in your kind of training, your, your normal kind of training or testing environment. Mm you know, it's going to ramp up. And if, if you ramp up the caffeine as well, you're going to become overstimulated. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely worth being conscious of your caffeine intake on race day or on, you know, any kind of competition day is just be really aware of, of how your body reacts to it. And yeah, you might want your staple, as you say, your staple coffee in the morning, um, but then you probably want to kind of ease off it or just do what Valtteri Bottas does and have two double espressos before he gets in the car. I don't literally, I don't know how he even tolerates that. That's complete madness, but so it seems to work for him. It, so. that's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, my caffeine, again, my caffeine consumption. Now there are days where I will have two cans of monster coffee. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a lot of caffeine and it's like, that's a high, yeah. but if someone who didn't really drink much caffeine had that they would probably feel like fucking jittery and shake yeah, they'd feel horrendous like, yeah they'd feel awful you probably yeah. feel very nauseous and um again with caffeine as well like you were saying there you're gonna if you go into let's say you you you've, you've got a sport um and you're trying to perform at your best it's a competition if you've ever felt like i felt when i was talking about rugby and, and feeling that kind of shakes and pre-game nerves your body is going to do that naturally anyway. Mm. That's one thing. But the other thing is, I don't know. Have you ever, have you read the book? Um, I was looking for it before, but I couldn't find it. Uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew, Dr. Matthew Walker. Oh, I remember. I haven't read it, but mm. um, I've listened to a few of his podcasts. Really, really good. Yeah. So he's done, he did a podcast with Joe Rogan. He's, I'm sure he's got some articles online. Um, somewhere, some place he has said in some sort of interview he's been talking about kind of performance decreases as well from sleep so really interesting one there was with regards to if you impair sleep um i think if you get six five or six hours a night of sleep or less 
your time to fatigue is like 70% of what it could be. So if, let's say you are, again, let's say you were, I don't know, entering a ring for a boxing match, or maybe you've got a marathon that you're running. You've, you've just off one night of bad sleep, you can cap yourself to like 70% of what you're capable of just mm. from your, your time to fatigue. Now, if you're messing up your caffeine the day before an event, I don't know about you, but I sleep really poorly before, you know, any kind of big thing, a big interview that I'm a bit nervous for game days. If there's a big fucking game day coming up or, you know, something like, you know, that you're going to be a bit nervous for anyway, you're not going to sleep the best that you probably would sleep regardless. So adding mm. caffeine into that equation, is just going to make things worse. You might sleep even worse. You wake up on that next day. Physically, you're going to perform worse, but mentally, you're going to perform worse as well. The, the correlation between kind of sleep deprivation and mental cognitive function is so strongly related. It's, it's ridiculous. So that's something you don't want to mess up. But as a top supplement, I, I personally think caffeine is phenomenal. Um, mm. And a little yeah. bit of research I've seen lately as well is having caffeine later in the morning. So your body naturally kind of wakes up a bit of cortisol and stuff like that you're going to kind of through the morning wake up a lot of people have coffee straight out of bed um what i've been seeing a lot lately is maybe delaying that coffee for a couple of hours later on in the day when you start to sort of decline a little bit yeah absolutely and and one of the things that is really important to mention off of the back of what you just said there mm. is bear in mind that caffeine has a half-life of five well, actually, hours, yeah. So actually it says here between one and a half, and nine and a half hours really depends on a lot of, a lot of different factors. But if you take the average of that around five hours, yeah. Um, which me, and that's only the half-life. So bearing in mind that if you have a coffee at 4 PM, five hours later, half of that caffeine is still in your system and active. So that's something that you really need to bear in mind when you're timing your caffeine consumption. Um, and I think, um, uh, I, th I think it's actually recommended that literally like, you know, early afternoon is probably when you should have your last caffeinated drink. Mm. I mean, I definitely don't stick to that. My, my cutoff is around 5 PM. So yeah. I try, I try to sort of cut, cut off at about five. Um, Cause I know that, um well that's experience as well like you've you will know exactly. from yourself i'm i'm okay with that as well Ca coffee ca any caffeine up to about 4 p.m is is okay five probably pushing it for me but if i have something at like 5 30 even like a fizzy drink or something like that on top of the coffee the cap i keep saying coffee the caffeine i've had earlier in the day it just yeah it just keeps me up all night kind of thing so you've got to yep. be careful with that sort of stuff yeah definitely and, and that you know so if you're thinking about the day before your um you know competition day or the day where you've got some performance you know some key performance that you're wanting to do well at mm. perhaps just reducing your caffeine intake slightly or just bringing back that last coffee make sure you have it at sort of two three o'clock rather than five o'clock just to give yourself the best chance to wind down and have a proper sleep the night yeah. before um even though as you say it's probably not going to be the best night's sleep you ever have giving yourself the best chance is is definitely something to bear in mind yeah so that's that's a good point actually is something i've worked with a few athletes with in the past is obviously 
caffeine is really good as a performance, physical performance enhancing substance. So building up to a competition, you want, you want to take the benefits of that supplement throughout your training, building up to it, but you also want to get the maximal amount of benefits you can get from the supplement, uh, from the, from the substance, even because I suppose you take it in coffee and energy drinks, but let's call it supplement, uh, from the supplement on game day as well. So Mm. the issue you have there is you want, you want it to be enough of a stimulant on game day that it, you know, you see a benefit of it, but you don't want it to be too much that it knocks you over the edge, which means you need to have some sort of tolerance built up, but you don't want to have so much tolerance built up that it then is kind of a not doesn't really give you any benefit on game day. Therefore, leading up to a competition, generally what I say is a couple of months out, try and get down to like baseline, no, no caffeine mm. daily. Once you're at that point, almost kind of, it's kind of you like ladder it up a little bit. So you go from minimal you can up to game day where you're taking some you're seeing benefits from it in terms of your training but you're not taking it so high to the point where there's no there's no you go you go into game day and you take a load of it and it's still you see no benefit of it so you need to really balance that out that's a really good one um if you're a competing athlete in any sport that is a that's a top um, piece of advice there is just manage your caffeine strategy um three supplements number three have you got one top of your mind i've got one but we'll see what you say yeah okay so um i was gonna say whey protein but i'm mm. gonna change it to protein powders okay uh because recently i've started using a plant-based protein which i find is much better for my digestion it just kind of works so much better with me yeah um so you know i have nothing against whey protein if it works for you awesome um but if you know if you have any kind of i don't know if if you if you find that whey affects your digestion in any way i definitely recommend trying some of these new plant-based um powders because uh, protein powders because they're actually really really effective so yeah so with i i like i i would say it's in my top five i don't say i wouldn't say it's my top three but with on that point I've heard that as well, that the plant-based powders, are people suffer less digestive issues with it. I have noticed if you're someone who suffers with digestive issues off the back of whey protein, try go for a whey protein isolate. I don't know if you can hear my dog whinging in the background out there for no. a treat or something. Um, but if you struggle with kind of digestion with whey protein, a whey protein isolate can sometimes just be the cure to that because it's a slightly more refined um product you're going to see kind of less of those those digestive issues with it i believe hydrolyzed whey protein is even that kind of one step further it's like really pure but because of that it doesn't really taste very good because it's so mm. kind of stripped back um that it doesn't taste that amazing so i i think yeah sometimes the option can be going with plant-based again um i've tried a few i haven't found anything that's tasted great plant-based that's the only downside i would say with plant-based i would actually prefer to go with a plant-based one but the ones i've tried always i have them and i always think that just tastes like i've eaten play-doh and i just can't i can't get on with it yeah yeah it's a bit it's a bit kind of gritty i mean i um i'm trying the phd diet plan one um strawberries and cream and 
yeah, decent. it's pretty good. 90, 19 grams per serving. Um, believe it or not, it was on offer in Sainsbury's. So thought I'd give it a go. Um, and yeah, it's it's actually like the nutritional um, values on there are really, really good. Uh, it's pretty much, it's very, very pure, actually, the, the protein itself. Um, I think we've spoken about this before in other podcasts. And the one thing that you need to bear in mind is obviously making sure that you still get enough amino acids. Yeah. You know, um, because that is that is a limiting factor with uh, plant-based proteins. But um, I, th- I think for the most this, part this nowadays, then it's not as much of an issue. I think it used to be. I, I do remember that being more of an issue um, you know, even five, 10 years ago, there would be supplements you come out and they, you're like, it's, you, you get reviews and they'd be like, yeah, it's, it tastes great, but it's not got like a full amino acid profile with, if you're V to be honest, if you're vegan and you're listening to this, you will probably know that you need to be yeah. getting a, a broad spectrum of amino, uh, amino acids. If you're not vegan, essentially plant proteins, um, aren't seen as complete, um, sources of protein. Uh, because they don't have all the amino acids in sufficient levels, let's say, um, to kind of give you the benefits you need um, from your diet. So the way you kind of make sure that you're getting all those amino acids and getting enough complete proteins is by mixing and matching uh, plant-based sources of protein. Uh, And again, a lot of plant-based vegan protein powders are now like vegan blend. They are a source of, you know, two or three different... um, protein sources i think i think it's less of an issue nowadays but again it is something to be conscious of if you think you found a good deal oftentimes when someone says hey is this a good one found a really good deal on this protein that's where you're like ah well it was a really good deal because maybe it's not that great in terms of how much protein you're getting or its amino acid profile yeah Um, but it's definitely something you're looking into getting from it yeah yeah for sure so what was going to be your um third supplement Third supplement. So I think for me, um, vitamin D, I think is, is up there with, with my top supplements. I was trying to, trying to, um, narrow it down. Cause I've, I have got like a top five and it's definitely my top five. Uh, but I'm gonna go with vitamin D because I just think, especially for a lot of us, if you're living in the Northern hemisphere, we have a lot of, uh, period of the year where, we don't get enough sunlight really. Do you know what I mean? We, we're, we're coming into autumn winter time now and it's just going to get bleaker and grayer. And then you've got like half the year that it's just overcast. So even when you do go outside yeah. and it's maybe not pissing it down with rain, you're not getting that kind of same sunlight exposure you would if you were in Spain or if you went to Africa or Australia or Asia or something yeah. like that. Um, so vitamin D for a lot of us in the northern hemisphere i think is a fantastic supplement um not only just for kind of your hormonal health and stuff like that but generally generally in to have a good uh, immune system it's been shown to be really well linked with that um again there's been claims that it's it's been beneficial for protection against covid i don't think they've been saying it's a, a you know a cure for someone who already has covid but i think they're saying is um if you have good vitamin d levels it is more beneficial in protecting you against it but i think that's your immune system in general so uh, vitamin Mm. d for me i think is in general a good one and i think a lot of people there's a lot of people who are deficient in vitamin d just because of the life again lifestyle we live a lot of the time 
especially if you're on Northern Hemisphere, even if it's not um, raining, you spend a lot of time indoors because it's colder. And even when you do go outdoors, because it's colder, you're wearing long sleeves, long trousers. You don't get that kind of um, sunlight exposure, which is how we get a lot of our vitamin D and, and create mm. vitamin D with, you know, with our own bodies is through sunlight exposure. Um, we don't get that for a lot of the year. So vitamin D, I think for me is really good. There is benefits to performance as well, but I think just from a general health point of view, that's, that's one of my top supplements, which I think a lot of people can benefit from. And again, if you're, this is one of the ones that I would say, if you're concerned about, or you are unsure about, take a blood test, get a blood test. There's mm. so many sources where you can get like a blood test done online nowadays. Um, and select the vitamin D one and just see where your levels are. Is it within a healthy range? Is it within a good range? Or is it something that maybe you need to address and speak with a doctor about? Because I think it's a really important um, uh, supplement for, for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. No, I totally agree with that. And, um, you know, I think we could probably go into and talk about supplements for hours and hours. But I think, um, yeah, that that is a, a really, really important one. And I think, as you say, you know, um, its importance has been highlighted by um, the whole pandemic and coronavirus and, and that coming to the sort of forefront. It's brought and, attention to it, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's brought attention to it. And I think, um, you know, we, we all knew that it was a factor beforehand, but I think it's it's really sort of pushed it out there and yeah. and given it the uh, the exposure that it, it, it needed, I think, you know, because uh, it's something that we just don't think about. You wouldn't think that, the level of sunlight on your body varying from one country to another could actually have a such a profound impact on your health so yeah definitely something to bear in mind and um yeah it's you know um read up on on vitamin d read up on the on the kind of well, benefits and yeah. you know how it works what it does for you um i think it's it's important to educate yourself about you know why why we're suggesting to to jump on the vitamin D and, and um, keep those levels up. So yeah, even with vitamin D as well, just for, again, if we go back to commit, maybe uh, I think a good theme for this podcast is athletic performance and sports performance, vitamin D in terms of just your general health and injury prevention is really important because vitamin D is, it helps you absorb calcium. Calcium is obviously, you know, really drink your milk, get strong bones, that kind of thing it's going to help you absorb calcium and ultimately um, you, you might see some issues with uh, bone density, you know, injuries like, you know, breaks. And if you're in a contact sport, for example, again, go back to rugby, some of the horrific injuries I've seen with broken bones, it's just, you, you want to, you definitely want to avoid it. So anything that's kind of keeping you on top of that, I think it's really important as well. So vitamin D it's in my top five, definitely. Is it my top three? Maybe, maybe not hundred, not hundred percent sure, but I would definitely say uh, protein powders as well are in my top top five mm -hmm. supplements. Um, again, really useful, helping you just kind of bulk out um, your protein for the day. Essentially, it's a you know it's a good kind of boost for it's a very pure source of protein as well. Um, so we have yeah, one more question. Sure. You put out a poll on your Instagram today, um, and you got a question about kind of lockdowns lifting. So do you want to share? where that was from and who it was from and, and uh, what the question was. Yeah. So a client of mine, um, Richard just, you know, he, he just mentioned that he's getting 
this kind of feeling of anxiety in terms of going back to the gym and and just going back to a busy environment um yeah I can kind of understand where businesses are coming from. Well, I can totally understand where businesses are coming from. You know, they've, the, the gyms have been closed and they're, they're trying to make up for lost time and, um, you know, and, and clubs and bars and supermarkets, you know, the restrictions are coming down left, right and center. Um, and to a lot of people, they're just kind of like, okay, well, cool. We can carry on, you know, as we were and don't really give it a second thought, but, I think there are some people, myself included, you know, when I first started mixing with people again, um, you know, you're just getting that kind of like, oh, it's, it's been drummed into us for the last two years, you know, about social distancing and about, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these regulations. And then suddenly, bang, they've just gone, you know, and, and, and suddenly we don't have to wear masks anymore and we don't have to uh, socially distance. And I think, um, it's completely normal to have reservations about, um, you know, about going back to a, a busy environment and to be surrounded by people again. I yeah. think um, that's totally a totally valid point. Um, and I but think was this this specific to the gym was this. Yeah, so it was specific to the gym. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I think um, one of the other things as well is because obviously we've started mixing again there's all the other kind of bugs and infections and things that are going around um you know but i think one thing to bear in mind is that we didn't go around worrying if we were going to get a cold you know beforehand it wasn't kind of you know it wasn't in the forefront of our mind of sort of things to worry about um and i think you know obviously with the vaccine we we have um this ability to control how powerful the the Mm. virus is you know uh, or or, or our reaction to the virus we can control how we can control that so we can be a little bit safer um yeah it's a big mindset thing right huge mindset thing yeah um yeah that's it's that's that is a mindset thing that's it that's the thing where it's it's more than just kind of you'll be fine, like get back to it. Because like we were saying before, a lot of us have been, you know, there's obviously myself, I, I can't say I've been drastically um, impacted by it. I think even the impact it had on you and, and your health at, at one point was, you know, quite bad. But I think both of us can quite quite easily say, you know, there are people out there who have had it really bad and you can't kind yeah. of downplay that. So um you yeah when when it comes to kind of getting back to gym and, and just mixing like i said before the first couple of social occasions that i went to at events <clears throat> pardon me i went out with a, f- a few friends and i'm not again i'm not the most anxious person in the world i, ha- I have had periods in my life where i felt anxiety um but up until kind of my, you know, early 20s, I'd never, ever experienced it. And when people talked about it, I was kind of like, I, ha- I had the empathy to kind of be like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that's bad. But I, because you've never experienced yourself, it was mm. really hard to be like, oh, like, I, I understand it. I was like, oh, yeah, I understand, blah, blah, blah. But I never really, truly kind of knew what it felt like. And then when I first felt it, I was like, oh, fuck, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't nice at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so 
with regards to kind of go back to Jim, just remember one thing I always think is, well, I have done this before. And that was what I kind of framed my, my thinking was when I was going out to meet friends and I was feeling anxious that this is the first time I've been out properly was I've done this before. I have done mm. this before. The only circumstances that has changed is, you know, this, there is, there is a illness going about, but that was present before there were other illnesses. There was other ways to get sick and unwell. Yeah. Um, obviously it was lesser risk at the time, but um, it was, it, I was just trying to downplay it a little bit in my head because I think I'd built up this anxiety. It was just a, a, a case of me building up this dread in my head of what's the worst case scenario, what can f- properly happen. And the reality was actually 100%. for what I was doing and where I was going, it was probably pretty low. I've had my, I've had both of my uh, vaccines I'm probably pretty well, I'm pretty well protected and I'm in good health. I think with regards to the gym, you've got to also think that, okay, maybe the gym might be a big step for you now. So could you just go out and go for a run and go somewhere that you know there's going to be other people about and just that on itself can be like, right, cool. I've been out, I've exercised with other people around and then you could Mm. go, you know, just baby step your way back to that position where you feel comfortable with it. And just understand yeah. that going to the gym and, and training, get your exercise in, it's probably going to get, be more beneficial for your immune system, keeping you healthy long-term uh, than not going is as well. So that's something to factor in and, and just think of it that way. It's like kind of you going there is a preventative measure as well as there is a risk of going, of course, as with, there is with anything. But I think sometimes you have to kind of look at what's the risk reward and, it's it's a tough one again a lot of us don't really know the answer that's why it's that's where the anxiety comes from we don't know the right answer to a lot of this stuff yes and and that that's so true what you just said and um you know the kind of risk versus reward thing and and the other thing to remember is that same with everybody else that's going to the gym the majority of the people that are going to the gym are focusing on their health and fitness and so therefore they will have you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm not talking about everybody, but majority of people will be looking after their health, they will be in good health, they'll, you know, yeah. hopefully have the, um, you know, the thought process of, well, I don't feel well, so I'm not going to go to the gym. Um, you'd like to think that anyone who is not feeling well would would avoid the gym. Um, and so I think, you know, actually, you're in a pretty safe environment. Um, being that, I mean, obviously you can spread coronavirus without having symptoms. We know that, but um, that's, you're going to have that in a convenience store. You're going to have that on a bus. You're going to have that anywhere, really. You know, there's anywhere you can pick it up. So um, first thing I would say is I can totally understand. I think it's the anxiety. That is natural. Yeah, completely natural. Yeah, completely natural. Um, But I think exactly as you say is just weigh up the risk versus reward and 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 kind of build up to it you know and and if you've been out to social occasions i think that means that you're probably still in a in stood in good stead to go out to the gym you know um i think as well one of the things that's more present now to compared to beginning of the pandemic was you know now it's a case that a lot of people, we know the symptoms, we know how people feel. Everyone has that, you know, I've got tests in the bathroom five meters away from me. If I started feeling a bit funny, I'd probably mm. take a test and I test kind of semi-regularly because I'm 
in close contact with people doing jujitsu quite a lot now. So I'm testing more regularly because I've got that close contact. So yeah. I think because those options are available, people know what to look out for. Um, we've got track and trace. We've got, you know, the, the app that will ping you and say, Hey, look, got to stay at home now. Um, and we've got access to tests that are very easily and readily available. Mm. All these things are in your favor. So if someone is feeling unwell, they're likely going to take a test. If they take a test and it turns out positive, they're likely going to go and get their PCR test done. They'll find out if they have COVID and by that point, they're going to not go to the gym anyway. Yeah. And I think even even then, if you're feeling a bit rough, a lot of people don't go to the gym as it is. Do you know what I mean, if I've mm. got just a bit of a cold or if I'm a bit bit under the weather, I allow myself that time off the gym because I think all I'm doing by going to the gym is adding more damage on top of what I've yes. already got to kind of recover from, um, just from being a bit unwell. So now I'm adding muscle damage to this as well. So I just kind of go, cool, have a day off, I'll recover quicker, and then I'll be back to full health. So it's normal. Um, try ease yourself into it and i think it's, it's going to be one of those things i always find that the anxiety and the build-up to a lot of stuff is worse than actually when you get there and you're like actually this isn't that bad like you once you get back in you'll step back in you'll be like i've been here a million times before i feel fine and i think i think yep. that's a lot of it and just yep. remember you can always leave there's not no one's keeping Absolutely. you there you get five yep. minutes in you want to go you feel you don't feel good you see someone in the corner coughing and spluttering you're like nope i'm out and, and leave yeah. that's your you know it's your um uh decision that's your choice yeah 100 that is such a good point yeah yeah massively and um it's it's the elephant in our mind that you know the the, the size of the task or the size of the the thing that we're about to do gets built up in our mind massively um and then as you say nine times out of ten it's actually not quite as bad when you get there yeah, amazing. Right, so I think that is the end of the Q&A um, and end of what we were talking about. Is there anything you wanted to kind of cover before we jump off today, Will? No, I think it's just been, you know, it's really good to get back into these and and um, just kind of break open some topics and, and dismantle how we get to our viewpoint and and why we're encouraging people to, to follow our kind of you know the things that we suggest and, and our coaching techniques because um you know the more we can do that the more people can can kind of understand how we've come to these conclusions and how we help people to move mm -hmm. forward in their life and and it's not like as we said at the beginning it's not just about fitness it's it's about the all-encompassing um you know way of improving your life yeah it's a completely holistic uh mm. overall improvement on your life so yeah it's um not to be confused with just a you know a pt that that kind of stands there and counts reps which you know is is beneficial that's fine um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know i i think we offer so much value in in that respect and to be able to like I say, dismantle that is is really, really good. Amazing. Right. Uh, where can people find you on socials? Yeah, at RaceFit Online is um yeah, basically where I Instagram am running active, my business from. Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. That's me. And uh if you are a client at Rival Fitness, you will obviously will see Will in and out of the Facebook group, um, sharing some absolute knowledge bombs. Uh, so thank you very much for today, Will. Been an absolute pleasure. Uh, hopefully no, get thanks, you on buddy. again 
at some point in the future. And uh, yeah, if you've got any questions for myself or Will, if you've got any questions you'd like myself and any of the other guests to cover in future episodes, feel free to reach out to myself, Will, um, Will at RaceFit Online on Instagram, myself at Jack Simons Official. Send us a message, send us your question and let us know it's for the podcast and we will get that um, covered. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. See ya.